Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. It is Sunday morning here, September 17th. Back here to talk about Purdue's 30, 35-20 loss to Syracuse on Saturday night in Rossade Stadium. For those of you who are a little bit newer to the show, on Sundays we just kind of come out, uh, hang out, talk about whatever has my attention from Purdue's game the day before. Uh, a little bit less structured than the pregame podcasts, but you know I've got the stats in front of me. I've got plenty of thoughts, plenty of observations from the night before, so let's go ahead and get on into it uh, real quick. Be sure to follow on Twitter if you don't already, at Boilers Beyond. You are always welcome to send me questions, comments, concerns there on Twitter or via email, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe. Uh, the season, still a long season to go for Purdue, and you won't want to miss anything. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Uh, but Purdue loses 35-20 to 20 to Syracuse at home. Uh, a really nice atmosphere uh, before the game. Uh, good crowd on hand. Purdue, uh, Purdue filled up the stadium. Uh, a good atmosphere, a lot of energy around campus, You know, just kind of walking around. Before the game, some good uh, good enthusiasm for Purdue. And, uh, you know, look, if we're being honest here, it didn't last tremendously long. Syracuse gets off to a good start. Syracuse takes a 21-7 lead at half. Purdue cuts it to a touchdown twice in the second half. But really, throughout the majority of this game, there was no doubt who the better team was. And it was on the east sidelines wearing the orange helmets. Uh, Syracuse flat out deserved to win this game. You know, let's start with the obvious here. Garrett Schrader just absolutely killed Purdue. Um, 184 yards through the air, 195 on the ground. I'm not great at mental math, but what, 379 yards total for Garrett Schrader? I mean, look, he's a good player, but you can't let one player have 379 yards on you and expect to win. Uh, that's that's just not a winning formula. And for Purdue, you know, that's kind of the second time this has happened because Mikey Keene had a big game against you too. Now, he didn't do it both through the air and on the ground. He was pretty much exclusively through the air. But Garrett Schrader absolutely dominated Purdue. Four touchdowns on the ground, 7.8 yards per carry for him. You know, I'd talked about this on the pregame podcast that I was interested to see schematically what Purdue would do and how Purdue would try to keep Garrett Schrader from having a big game on the ground. Purdue tried things. You know, Purdue tried to spy him. Uh, Purdue tried to pressure the living hell out of him and get the ball out of his hands early. But none of it worked. Um, None of it worked at all. You know, on some of these carries he had, I mean, there wasn't a Purdue defender in the same zip code as him. He was just wide open running down the field. Uh, His touchdown run, you know, on the first, his first touchdown run uh, completely fools everybody. He's wide open. You know, the only guy outside the hash mark is he's jogging it into the end zone. Uh, He has another one where I think it was a 38-yard touchdown run. Uh, He's just wide open running up the field. Uh, This, you know, this was a problem for Purdue. I, I think... You know, it, it certainly exploited Purdue's lack of speed kind of at that middle of the defense. 
you know, Purdue runs a unique system where you only have that one true middle linebacker and you have uh, a safety kind of down a little bit with Dylan Thieneman playing way deep. But, you know, Purdue did not have the ability to drop someone as a spy and contain Schrader. Uh, Schrader was able to outrun Purdue's spy a lot. Ryan Walters, after the game, was asked about this, and you know he he didn't have an, he didn't have a whole lot of answers, and it's hard to hard to have answers. Uh, Garrett Schrader just absolutely dominated Purdue. He should win some Player of the Week awards. Um, that that was a dominant performance. He and you know really he was better through the air than the numbers indicate. He had a few throws yesterday that should have been caught and weren't. Uh, one on the first drive should have been a touchdown. I'm getting my notebook out here. Um, but there were multiple times where I, I remember writing down, you know, big drop for Syracuse. And oftentimes it didn't end up mattering. Uh, Syracuse got down and scored anyways. But, you know, Garrett Schrader was really good. I thought Purdue defensively, I, I mean, look, they've got a good running back in Allen, and Purdue did fine in the traditional run game on him. Um, 17 carries for 80 yards isn't great, but Purdue was fine in the traditional run game at slowing him down, especially early on. As the game wore on, you know, I think Purdue started to tire out a bit, but, you know, really... Uh, just Garrett Schrader single-handedly destroyed Purdue. And Allen was good catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, Syracuse was not afraid to take deep shots on Purdue. I think that is fairly telling. Um, it wasn't just at Cam Allen. You know, they Syracuse was throwing at everyone. Syracuse on that first drive, that ball that should have been a touchdown was at Marquise Wilson, the guy who was Purdue's top corner. Syracuse was willing to challenge Purdue really at any level. Uh, and that, you know, that's not ideal. You know, it's difficult to win games when you only score or when you give up 35 points. Just the math is going to tell you, you are not going to win a tremendous amount of games giving up 35 points. But when you flip it over to Purdue on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, this, this was a really difficult one. You know, Purdue... Purdue fumbles the ball seven times. It only loses three, but it fumbles the ball seven times, and it throws an interception on top of that. Four turnovers for Purdue with you know another four that were kind of asking to be turnovers. One of them Purdue got bailed out on. Uh, that Maccabee fumble where Deion Burks had touched the ball when he was out of bounds to kill the play. Uh Probably unintentional, but, you know, a really heads-up play there for Purdue. But, you know, Hudson Card fumbles three times. Devin Mockaby fumbles three times. That is a problem. That's a real problem. Um, you know, I don't want to pile on Mockaby because, obviously, he's not trying to fumble, but that's four fumbles in three games. He's not lost any of them yet. Uh, he had one against Fresno State on his first carry of the season, I think, and then three that he didn't lose in this one. But, you know, it's not been a great start to the year there for him. Uh, Purdue running the ball was incredibly ineffective. 
uh, 32 attempts for 80 yards, 2.5 yards per carry, it's not going to cut it. It's just not going to cut it. And I know sack yardage is included in that, so it's it's somewhat skewed. But, you know, Tr- Tyrone Tracy, 3.8 per carry, 2.6 for Maccabee. Downing only gets one carry. I mean, Purdue just really, really struggled in this one to run the ball. You saw it in third and short, but you saw it throughout the entire game. Uh, statistically, Purdue was fine on first downs. I had tweeted during the game that I was curious to see those numbers because it felt like Purdue was really struggling on first downs. And that wasn't the case. Purdue actually had its most yards yards per play on first down all season. But if we're just being honest here, um, you know, Purdue... Purdue running the ball is not not tremendously successful, and it limits what you can do uh, because right you know in this game, Syracuse was not going to let Purdue beat it deep. Purdue was not going to be able to throw the ball deep on Syracuse at all, and what that makes you do is just string together short passes and runs and eventually Purdue was able to kind of crack the intermediate passing game but early on in the game Syracuse was making Purdue put good offensive drives together to beat it and Purdue was not putting together good offensive drives at all Uh, Purdue on the first series of the game gets down to the five yard line fourth and one doesn't get it I I think I thought Purdue should have taken the points there. Uh, Purdue has been very aggressive going forward on fourth down so far this season. The early returns are not great on that. Now, I'll be the first to say, I have nowhere near the statistical information that the Purdue coaching staff has. You know, all of these staffs subscribe to services and get data on fourth down, third down, you know, get data on all of these scenarios where you you figure out what actually makes sense, you know, from an EPA perspective, what what's going to help you score more, what what's the best play in the long run. But, you know, Purdue on that fourth down and one, the play on the rollout for Card isn't there. He's got to try to run. It goes in the book as a lost fumble. It doesn't matter. You know, he wasn't getting the first down anyways. But, you know, just another situation where it's a tough break for Purdue. You follow that up with with a, another fumble. Uh, Card gets drilled on a sack. He fumbles. You have another fumble later on a, on a handoff that gets botched. That was a killer. You know, Purdue was moving the ball really well on that series. A couple of big completions in a row, and then you hand it back to Syracuse. And then you have a fourth turnover before half on a tipped ball interception. It was just one of those days for Purdue. Purdue couldn't get out of its own way. I thought, you know, on a down-to-down basis, Hudson Card was pretty good. Uh, you look at you look at Purdue's success rate, 48%. Purdue, on a down-to-down basis, was moving the ball pretty well. Now, a lot of it was through the air, obviously. You know, Purdue was not Purdue was not particularly good uh, running the ball. Another game, you know, Purdue's been negative EPA running the ball in every single game so far this year. Uh, 
not particularly effective, but on a Purdue is throwing the ball well. It Hudson Card completing seventy percent of his passes for three twenty three. That's pretty good. Hudson Card was solid, and he didn't have a great deal of time to th- operate back there. Purdue's offensive line isn't great. There's only so much you can do, especially on the interior. We've talked about this, how when you rely super heavily on these transfers, you don't really know what you're getting. Purdue has a bunch of guys that are just a guy on the interior of the offensive line. You want to get Gus Hartwig back. I don't know what the timetable is on him, but even with him, you know, Purdue's not been great on the interior of the line. Mahamne Musa hasn't been great. I know he was hurt at the start of the year. How healthy is he? I don't know. But just when you look at this, Purdue was in a spot where it could have, you know, the offense holistically, if you take away the turnovers, was good enough to win. 403 yards, you, you don't get out game too bad. Purdue was good on third down, 7 for 14. That's solid. That's real solid. You just 3 for 6 in the red zone isn't going to cut it. You fumble the ball seven times. Look, the the stats kind of tell the story. Purdue gets penalized 11 times for 126 yards. I know there were, you know, plenty of complaints about some of the calls. The roughing the passer penalties were absurd going both ways. I think there were five of them. I can't remember which team had three and which had two, but it it was pretty soft. Uh, the officials were the officials were calling a lot there. Um, so be it. Uh, it is what it is. But that was rough. Prue had a couple pass interference calls that were a bit shaky, but nonetheless, you know you can't commit eleven penalties for. 126 yards or whatever it was that that's not going to work that's just not going to work at all you've seen that now in two straight Syracuse games where Purdue just really struggles um to to avoid penalties and kind of not shoot itself in the foot I mean this is you look at this home and home series between Purdue and Syracuse that's the story of it Purdue shooting itself in the foot Purdue had the game won at Syracuse last year. It commits penalties, kicks off from like the goal line more or less. Syracuse scores to win it. This year, Purdue fumbles it seven times, throws another pick, uh, commits 126 yards of penalties. Look, Purdue shoots itself in the foot. One thing, you know, just kind of spitballing observations here, I'm amazed at how tight of a rotation Purdue's on at wide receiver. Not necessarily in the worst way. I mean, right now, Purdue has a really nice duo with Deion Burks and Abdur Rahman Yassin. Those two have been really good so far. Yassin yesterday, 10 catches for 114. He was fantastic. He was really, really good. Uh, Burks, only four catches for 51. You could tell Syracuse was not going to let him beat him over the top. Card tried to air out a few deep balls for him, and there was just no separation there. Syracuse covered him pretty well. But you saw, you know, going in the north end zone in the northwest side of the field, Burks makes an acrobatic catch uh, in the third quarter, I think it was. 
he's a good player. Purdue's got to find a way to get him the ball more. I know I, – I can't remember if it was a jet sweep or if it was a backwards pass technically that Purdue got him the ball out in space on the side. But you've got to do that more often. He's too good of an athlete to only touch the ball five times yesterday. I'm getting close to saying the same about Tyrone Tracy too. He's got some burst to him. He had that 14-yard run. He had the one that gets into the end zone. He's a pretty good player. He's in the right role now. I'm not saying you got to take carries away from Maccabi or anything, but you've got to find a way to get Tracy the ball more because he's a really good player. Uh, he's. It's a bit of a bummer that it's taken until now for him to play running back in college because I think it's pretty clear that's his most natural spot. I think his college career would look a lot different if he played running back from the get-go. You know, a lot of complaints here about Graham Harrell that I've seen on Twitter and on message boards. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think the play calling has been tremendous, but, you know, Purdue's a little handcuffed in what it can do. There is only so much you can do on third and fourth and one Running the ball up the middle has not been successful. I am not sure what type of responsibility Hudson Card has on some of these. You know, is it a read option or is it a handoff all the way? I don't know, but Hudson Card does not pull it for himself much at all. I don't know if that's in the play or not. These are the things that, you know, as an outsider, we don't know. But Clearly, you know, Purdue in short yarded situations is not good. The offensive line's not getting much of a push. You know, Purdue has two good running backs in Maccabee and Tracy, but neither of them is a bulldozer, uh, plow through for three yards type of guy, uh, like a Monty Ball was when he was at Wisconsin, or like a Braylon Allen at Wisconsin now. Neither of those guys are that type of running back. So, you know, you can go you can go in the passing game where it's a lot less of a sure thing. And we've seen Purdue twice this year try to hit that quick slant to Deion Burks on fourth and one. It hasn't worked either time. It there's only so much you can do. Uh, Purdue is a little bit limited in terms of personnel. I think Card is fine. I think you've got a decent duo at wide receiver. Uh, Max Clare continues to look really good. I'm impressed with him at tight end. For a redshirt freshman, he's he's really solid. Uh, he's got his stuff together. He's going to have a nice career at Purdue. And I'm interested to see, even as Garrett Miller gets back to full health, who takes the majority of the snaps there at tight end. I think it might be Claire, uh, if we're being honest here. Time will tell there, but right now, I don't I don't want to take any reps away from Claire. Not at all. One note, Syracuse passing the ball, 104 of their 184 yards passing were yards after the catch. Not exactly a great endorsement of Purdue's coverage ability or tackling ability. Take pro football focus data for what it's worth. It's not always fantastic, but pro football focus had Purdue at 25 missed tackles in this game. That's a problem. And a lot of them came up front at the line of scrimmage. That's a problem. Um, that's a real problem. Purdue 
Purdue's got to be a little more sound there tackling. Um, just all in all, the better team won here. I'll get, I've got a few questions I want to hit on from Twitter, but the better team won here. Uh, this wasn't a fluke. What we've seen now, non-conference is over, Purdue's one and two. This has not been a fluke. Fresno State was the better team against Purdue, and Syracuse was the better team against Purdue. Purdue was the better team against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech might be really bad. I don't mean to come on here and be like all Debbie Downer because there are some positive things you can take away from this game for Purdue. Virginia Tech might be horrible. They just lost to Rutgers by 19. To Rutgers by 19. Not very good. As I said, there are positives. Hudson Card looks pretty solid. You've got something at receiver with Yassine and Burks. Uh, keep an eye on Kydron Jenkins. He did not play in the second half. Ryan Walters didn't have any update in terms of injury for him, but that's a big one. Uh, you saw Will Helt get out there. True freshman. Showed some nice flashes. He's going to be a good player. The combination of Will Helt and Dylan Thieneman, those are two true freshmen who are on the field for you. Uh, last year's recruiting class was not one that, you know, in the star rankings really, you know, in the recruiting rankings really finished all that high. But you've got two guys who are instant impact out of that group already. That's very welcome to see. Uh, Dylan Thieneman, again, Really good game, 14 tackles. Probably don't want your leading tackler to be the guy that plays 25 yards off the ball, but he's been really good at what he's being asked to do. It's not a great thing to start 0-2 at home. And I know that there is only, you know, it's only so much you can do about what's home and what's away. But Purdue had a really good atmosphere last night. It was a sellout. It was, you know, it was a pretty fired up crowd for the start of that game. By the second half, the student section was emptying out pretty good. By the fourth quarter, the stadium as a whole had emptied out pretty good. Purdue came into the season with some momentum. Not as much because of what it's done on the field. Granted, a lot of fan interest comes from what Purdue's done over the last two years. But even after his hire, Ryan Walters generated some buzz. Not that that's all gone, but a lot of that enthusiasm has moved on at this point. Uh, Purdue's one and two. Purdue, Fresno State and Syracuse are both pretty good teams, I think, but they're not juggernauts that like the average fan would say, oh yeah, we should be losing to those teams. You don't want to lose too much momentum. Starting 0-2 at home is not a great way to do that because to have a sold-out stadium, you know, you need the casual fan that kind of comes and goes as the team is good. Starting out 0-2 at home is not great. Again, Purdue kind of got what it asked for with this non-conference schedule. I've, I don't want to beat a dead horse here because I've talked about this in like half my episodes ever on this podcast. I think this is episode 177, and I've complained about scheduling in at least 70 of them. But when you schedule three formidable non-conference opponents, don't be upset when you're one and two. Uh, Purdue, look, you're, what, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Fresno. 
a three-point dog against Virginia Tech and a two-and-a-half-point dog against Syracuse, I mean, that the Vegas numbers would tell you you're likely to go one and two, two and one with zero and three and three and zero is you know pretty big outliers in terms of likelihood. Uh, Purdue scheduled tough. Purdue now is one and two. I think you know it's it's not Ryan Walters doing. He didn't schedule the uh, he didn't schedule the these games, but you know that. It's kind of what happens when you schedule a pretty difficult non-conference, especially you know the way it lined up with a very new, very new roster, new schemes on both sides of the ball. Purdue didn't have any time to ease into things. I I think if you know you could you could have drawn it up, you would have preferred to play Indiana State, maybe get a MAC team in there, and then play Syracuse in your third game because. You know, there's the old argument that these non-conference schedules battle test you. Syracuse played Colgate and Western Michigan. They looked just fine. They were plenty. They were plenty good uh, last night in Ross Aid Stadium to win. I do want to get into a couple questions here. Uh, I had one about the receiving core. You know, uh, Purdue's receiving core is not bad. I think you do have a nice, nice little group with Yasin with Burks and at tight end with Claire. I like that. I think you could probably do a little more out of the backfield with Tracy. Maccabi too. Uh, he he could certainly get the ball more out of the backfield. It's just interesting how tight of a rotation this is on. TJ Sheffield quietly had six catches yesterday for 49 yards, but he's been a little more quiet than I expected this season. Um you know, I don't know what to attribute that to, but he's not been, he's not had a big year, but you know, clearly no one behind uh, him is really pushing for reps. I mean, you don't see Mershawn Rice. You don't see Jaden Dixon Veal. You don't see Elijah Canyon. You don't see these guys. So I, I think Purdue's doing the best it can with what it has, but I am a little surprised that None of these guys who are on the on the two or three deeps on the depth chart have made a move up towards the top yet. Dan, longtime listener, I thought Jeff Brom was bad in short yardage. How can this staff be worse? I, look, I, I get it. I mean, Purdue, you know, on third and three or shorter, Purdue goes one for four. Purdue goes one for four on fourth downs yesterday. This is not a team that's particularly good in the short yardage. I think, you know, it's inevitable to a certain degree. You're going to be in those spots. Does Purdue try to be a little bit more aggressive on first and second down to stay out of third and shorts, you know, to gamble a little bit, to try to get more first downs early? I don't know. Do you try to do some more outside zone stuff? Do you try to do more read options? You can try to do RPO stuff, but I don't know how well you can trust your offensive line. It A lot of it comes back to the offensive line. It really does. Um, it, it's just not a great unit, and there's nothing you can do. I was listening to the radio show, the uh, sports rap with Nate Barrett and Alan Carpick on the way home, and you know, it, someone asked what can be done, and the answer is really not much. Your personnel is what it is at this point. So, uh, 
we'll see schematically if Purdue can throw a wrinkle and get some more success, but I don't know what all can really be done. And this is, you know, this is a good, a decent one here. Why was everyone's expectations so high going into the year? It's a completely new staff, lost most production on both sides of the ball with a first-year head coach, and then why is everyone throwing in the towel on Walters when he's recruiting at a high level? This is kind of a two-part question. I don't think anyone should throw the towel in on Ryan Walters. Uh, That's nonsensical. He's three games in. Uh, You're giving him time. You know, when you hire a young guy like this, you're not making that hire for year one. You're just not. You're making that hire for the long term, which is smart if you're Purdue. You know, Purdue's not a particularly win immediately type of place. That's never been the expectation around Purdue is, you know, crazy high pressure, throw a bunch of buyout money around if things aren't good right away. Uh, Purdue should not. Ryan Walters is, is fine. But expectations being high going into the year, I mean, I think a lot of it is folks wanting to believe, wanting to believe in their team. And that's fine. You should. But look, there were reasonable concerns. We discussed them on this show. Um, I had Purdue going five and seven. And if you had me guess right now, five might be the most likely number, but I'd definitely take four over six in terms of likelihood, in terms of win total, I think four and eight is more likely than six and six. And that's okay. I mean, this season is not all about wins and losses, as I've said. I think you want to demonstrate proof of concept. I think Purdue is showing some of that. I do. I think you are seeing what Purdue wants to do schematically. I think you're just seeing that some of the personnel doesn't exactly line up for it well. And there, there's not much you can do there. That that reflects both what was inherited, what Purdue was able to do in the transfer portal in just one cycle. It is what it is. You know, Purdue lost eight draft picks in two years. That's tough to replace at a school like Purdue. That really is. Um, I, I don't think fans should be too down on Ryan Walters, but... You know, you're entering a Big Ten schedule here, and this is where we'll wrap. It's not going to be easy. Uh, Purdue, the Big Ten West looks bad just overall. There are wins to be had, but Ohio State and Michigan, I, I don't have a great feeling about those. Going to Iowa at night, I don't know that I have a great feeling about that. You can't turn the ball over against Iowa that they'll score. They'll just take that for a touchdown. Uh, you got to be better there. You start with Wisconsin on Friday. It's been 20 years since Purdue beat Wisconsin. The last time Purdue beat Wisconsin in ross Aid Stadium, I wasn't alive. It was 1997. So <laughs> we'll see what Purdue can do. Wisconsin doesn't look great. We'll preview it in more detail later this week, but I'm not I'm not expecting Purdue to beat Wisconsin. You just, you know, you got to scratch and claw for what you can at this point. And the season's not over. There's a lot of football left to play. There are a lot of positives that can still come from this season. Um, But yeah, a disappointing loss. I think all in all, 
this was a really good measuring stick game, and it shows that you still have a long way to go. That's okay. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But we will see you know, how Purdue continues to adapt and adjust every week. Uh, we will be back here midweek to talk about Purdue-Wisconsin. Send over questions. Send over thoughts on Twitter at Boilers Beyond or over email, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. But thank you all for listening. I appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoy these episodes. I hope you get something out of them. Um, But always send me your feedback. Until then, take care and enjoy some NFL here on Sunday.